Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's about that time, Moak. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Anita. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's been a little while. Uh, last time we spoke, uh, you had a new baby and, um, you know, you were just getting started. How's that? How's, how's, uh, fatherhood treating you? Yeah. No, no, nobody can ask me that question without me just getting like the biggest smile on my face. Um, well, put it this way, we're, it, it's been a year, uh, and we're all still alive. We're all still <laughs> here. So, uh, you know, we've, we've learned to celebrate the, uh, the, the small victories and, uh, yeah, you know, it's, Fatherhood, you know, it's, it's been a great learning experience, you know, and um, she, she seems to be a Nets fan, believe it or not. You know, anytime I turn on Yes Network and you see the black and white jersey, she's just like transfixed. So I guess it's in her blood, you know. Well, uh, good thing, uh, especially right now, uh, considering, you know, the opposite direction these two franchises are headed. Uh, but let, let's start with the Knicks. Let's start with the Knicks first and foremost, right? And, uh, you know, unfortunately, their last game, they lose to the Heat. But more important, like, oh, and I only by fifteen. Like, like I would, I, I was expecting like them to lose by thirty. I, let's be honest; they, they don't have a legit point guard. Kimball Walker's out for the season. Derrick Rose now has another procedure on his ankle. Grimes is dealing with a knee issue. There's a lot of injuries here. They're dealing with R.J. Barrett had a, a a career night, that's for sure. But you know, again, we haven't spoken in a hot second. You know, what what's your take in regard to where this Knicks franchise is right now, and in in what what you expect we will see from them for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the second part of your question, you know, what we're going to see for the remainder of the season, I think that's really the most interesting part to, to be honest with you. Uh, because as we wake up now on February 27th, you know, the Knicks sit 12th in the Eastern conference, they are four games behind the Hawks for the 10th seed, which obviously would get them into the play-in scenario. The, the, the thing for me, Anita, I kind of wonder, you know, what does the Nick franchise actually want? You know, like at this point of the season, do you say, you know, this thing is kind of falling apart on us? You know, Derek Rose is out for a little while. Um, you know, do, do, do we want to try to sneak in as, as an AC? Do we want to try to go through the play-in, the play-in scenario and get to the playoffs and have a first-round playoff matchup that we're probably going to lose? Or do you say, you know what, uh, it might actually benefit us to, to you know, kind of let this season go and, and collect our lottery pick and, and try to go and get another strong player in the draft. Uh, it's just funny how, for as long as we can remember, point guard has been an area of need for this franchise. And it seems like the, the, the good options that they had, Fred Van Vliet was one a few years ago. This past summer, Lonzo Ball was one, even though Lonzo's missed a lot of time this season. The, the stopgap measures just haven't seemed to work for the Knicks, and I think that that's obviously something they're going to have to think long and hard about this summer. They, they need a young point guard on that team that can be entrusted to run the offense and one whose best days are ahead of him. And uh, they, they, they got they got to find a way to get that done this summer. That should be priority number one. 
you know, not too long ago, the Post came out with an article saying that DeRozan wanted to come here. The Knicks kind of kicked the can around, but uh, didn't weren't aggressive with it. A, did you did you read that article? B, um, wh- what do you think the issue was? I mean, dude's averaging thirty five points a game with the Bulls right now. Yeah, that that was an interesting one. Uh, no, I mean, general managers, you know, we we really have an unfair standard as it relates to front office personnel in the NBA. Uh, but it is the standard. You know, the standard is that you know you're supposed to be able to tell the future. And if you can't, then you end up looking bad. And, I mean, that's, it's just one of those situations for the Knicks. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, I think one thing that I have noticed personally, uh, and I'm a, I'm a bit of a social scientist. Like, people, like my, my undergrad uh, degree was in sociology, right? Um, and I, I always try to look at the human aspect of things, and I think, that it's really easy for us as observers to forget that NBA players are human too, right? So what I mean by that is when guys are healthy or when guys are happy, they just tend to perform better. And I think that we all kind of forgot. Like look at CJ McCollum, for example, right now in New Orleans. You know, he's playing the best basketball that he's played all season long. Out there in Portland, when you don't really feel like you're playing for something or when you know that you're kind of just going through the motions because the team's going to be broken up, it, it, it's tough to come to work every day and perform well under those circumstances. You know what I mean? He finds himself in one and he's playing the best basketball season. I say all that to say DeMar DeRozan. You know, people kind of forgot how great of a player DeRozan was. Uh, you know, when he left Toronto, obviously he didn't want to leave Toronto, and then he's in San Antonio. We just didn't really see much of him. We didn't hear much about him. And now with the move to Chicago, it's really kind of reinvigorated him. And that's kind of where you're seeing his MVP caliber performance this season. So I say all that to say, at the end of last season, when you're the Knicks and you're trying to figure out who to go after, in all fairness, DeMar DeRozan just didn't really seem to fit the direction of the team. Right, you're coming off of a great season. You figure you're building around Julius Randle, you're you're building around RJ Barrett, and you have a couple of nice young pieces that should continue to develop. So, as much as I think that move would have been good for the Knicks to make in hindsight, I can understand why at the time they thought simply adding an auxiliary piece like Evan Fournier made more sense for the team, mainly because every everything still would have flowed through Julius Randle and RJ Barrett whereas DeMar DeRozan probably would have had to have been the first option on that team to have been happy. So, so I kind of understand why it played out the way it did. It's just unfortunate, obviously, that DeRozan is, is an MVP candidate and, and the Knicks are sitting in the 12th season of the conference. Uh, again, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. I had uh, Mark Berman on, on the show yesterday, and, and I was asking him what he felt went wrong with, with Julius Randle this season. And... You know, he's saying that, you know, when Julius Randle sits down to talk to the media, Moak, like, he doesn't even know what's going on with his teammates. Um, and apparently, like, you know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't really converse with Fournier. Uh, the two aren't as thick as thieves. And, and uh, Bullock, Reggie Bullock, and, and a number, uh, some other players that were uh, either let go or traded last year, 
were his best friends. So it's interesting, like, you know, you talk about like um, mental health and being happy and the importance of that. And, and it's interesting you say that because I just talked about that for the first hour of the program. Like, you know, we, we saw a different Kyrie last night as the Nets beat the Bucks, smiling, happy. He even alluded to it in his post-game press conference. Same thing with Harden. Their first game, 76ers against the T-Wolves, beating them 133 to 102. So, you know, happiness is such a really big key, not just to these athletes, but I think anyone in, in, in any walk of life, in any career. So I just, it, it's very perplexing to me, you know, why, you know, I, I, I understand Knicks fans upset with Julius Randle, disappointing postseason last year against Atlanta, disappointing season, the way that he treated the fans, uh, with, you know, all that we know that happened uh, during the game. But a lot of this onus is on the ownership and the players that they let go and the players that they brought in. You talk about building around Julius Randle. Well, they, they don't have the right components, Moke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, so, I, and honestly, I mean, I kind of felt the same way, you know, like dur- during the early part of the season, now, you know, post All Star break, Randall has he's been playing much better. Uh, and you know, again, guys are human. So when you hear your name in trade rumors, and when guys are asking you, you know, oh, do you think you might get traded to Sacramento for De'Aaron Fox and all the speculation that was kind of running rampant in the early part of the season, typically with NBA players, they know when their name is being said out there. You know what I mean? Like in trade discussions or whatever. And what does typically happen is guys sort of exhale. You know, when the trade deadline passes and they're still in the same uniform, they kind of exhale and they kind of look forward. And it, it, it takes a weight off their shoulders and it helps guys perform much, much better. You know, we've seen that happen a lot. That said, it, it was truly perplexing that Randall struggled so much in the early part of the season. And for the Knicks, things would have been much different if he had, you know, even 75% of the production as he had last season. I mean, there were some contests earlier this season that the Knicks obviously ended up losing where he just performed quite miserably. And I think those of us that were observing spent a lot of time trying to figure out what was going on because he just seemed very, very unhappy. Sometimes guys have things going on in, in, in their personal lives that, we don't really get wind of until after the fact, if at all. And then once we find out about it, 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 it ends up make, making a lot of sense, you know. Um, that, that said, Anita, I have, I, have, I have heard, I think I actually read it somewhere too. Somebody, somebody may have reported it, but I, I, I have heard that there were some, some veteran players on the team that weren't really happy about what happened to Kemba Walker, um, him being removed from the rotation so quickly. Um, it, it was it was actually it was it was quite reminiscent to what happened with Carmelo Anthony as a member of the Rockets actually, except the difference is obviously Kemba wasn't released um, the way that you know Carmelo eventually was in Houston. But but the point is, I'm not even sure that that necessarily had an impact on Randall and how he felt about Tom Thibodeau and how he felt about the situation because those two weren't really that close from what I understand. So even 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 those of us that you know know a few people and talk to a few players have been truly perplexed by, by his regression this season. And, you know, we're, we're, we're still looking for an explanation. <laughs> but if you're a Knicks fan, the, the, the bright side is, like I said, you know, he's been playing better since, since uh, you know, since the deadline has passed, um, you know, since the All-Star break, even though I guess they've only played, you know, one contest. But um, 
things seem to be looking up for him, and you just kind of got to hope that he's in the slump and that he'll, he'll find his way out of it and help the team compete over the final 20-some-odd games of the season. Uh, again, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Before we turn our attention to the Nets, let's talk about the 76ers because you'll be able to listen to that game right here on 98.7 ESPN uh, coming your way at 1 o'clock tip-off, and it is game two for Harden and Embiid. Man, T-Wolves, uh, they're not chopped liver, dude. They beat them 133-102, to 102, Harden 27 points, 12 assists, two re- rebounds away from a triple-double. Of course, Embiid did log a triple-double as well. Uh, and you saw how happy Harden was to play. Your thoughts on the 76ers and how far you think they can go. I know it's a small sample size, one game, but still, how far do you think the 76ers team could go with the uh, duo of Harden and Embiid, Moke? I think that they are real championship contenders now. Um, that that duo, I mean, you're talking about two of the I guess it depends on where you want to rank James Harden. I was going to say two of the top five one-on-one players in the league. I can understand maybe if you want to knock James Harden down. But, I mean, at worst, they have two of the top ten one-on-one players in the NBA. And, you know, Anita, at the, at the end of the day, in the, in the postseason, in the playoffs, you know, we like motion offenses. We like great play calls. But invariably, when things get tight, Every team gives the ball to their best player and says, please either get me a basket or create me a basket. And there are few players in the league that I would rather have in that situation than Joel Embiid and James Harden. Um, So I, I think that is why I would say that Philadelphia is a very, very credible threat to win the conference. I think there are four teams that, to me, you know, Miami, Chicago, Philly, and Milwaukee, those are the four that I, I think are, are it's just going to be a dogfight. Um, Brooklyn is obviously in, in that mix as well. So, you know, we're looking at the Eastern Conference and we're saying, man, you know, we've been talking about the West and how deep the West is and how tough the West is, but you, you, you've, got, you've got something brewing in, in the conference right now out East. Um, as, as far as how far the Sixers can go, I think that they are a very, very credible threat to dethrone Milwaukee as the Eastern Conference champion. And, and they're a team that should have legit title aspirations. The, the only downside to the trade for them was if they could have found a way to keep either Seth Curry or Andre Drummond, I think it would have made them even more formidable. But, you know, Joel Embiid and James Harden, they just gave us a, a little preview of what's to come. As long as these guys can stay healthy, which is obviously the, the big if considering each of their histories, but if they can stay healthy, this duo is going to be contending for championships in the years to come. Uh, it's it's going to be fun to see this work and, and see how well they do. Uh, before we let you go, let's, let's talk about the Nets. And, um, you know, Kyrie, 38 points uh, last night, season high, five rebounds, five assists. I was really interested to see how this dynamic was going to work with Drummond and Curry. Curry, four of eight from downtown. Drummond, 12 rebounds. And uh, and, and they bought they beat a good Bucks team, 126 to 123. Now, granted, Bucks have lost four or five. But nonetheless, this is without seeing the defensive uh, production that Ben Simmons is going to bring to the equation, as well as arguably best player in the NBA in KD. He's been out since January 15th. Your thoughts on what you saw from the Nets last night? Well, I mean, last night in particular was, was just incredible considering the, the all-around contributions that they got, you know. And, I mean, 
every so often. I, I have all the risk. I mean, I think, I think, I think all of us do. I think everyone knows that Kyrie is just a, a basketball genius, you know, and every so often, you know, he'll have a clunker every now and again, you know, but every so often he just puts on a, a, an all world performance that kind of helps you remember that this is a guy that can win two games for you in a playoff series all by himself. He might need his teammates to help him get there. He might need his teammates to, you know, help keep the game close. But, you know, again, we're, I just was talking about James Harden and Joel Embiid being some of the top one-on-one players. I mean, of all players in the league, you know, with, with the game on the line, if I, need, if I need one basket, Kyrie is probably one of the top three guys that I'm going to in that situation. And one of the other top three happens to be his teammate in Brooklyn and Kevin Durant. So, again, in the playoffs, you know, when, when games slow down and when you have really, really important and impactful possessions, you know, it's going to be hard to stop that team. It definitely will. And, you know, they showed you in Milwaukee last night that they're capable, even with the, the odds stacked against them, they're capable of going into a hostile environment and they're capable of beating the defending champs. You know, and that's not something that every team is capable of doing. And it's not something that every team is capable of doing, particularly when they're missing two of their of their best three players. Um, as far as the Ben Simmons move, just real quick, I will say what, what I really like about that, aside from the defensive end, which you kind of mentioned, Anita, is Ben is going to help these guys play so much faster, and it's, it's the total opposite from James Harden. You know, James Harden is very calculating. He's, he's plotting. He likes to play in half-court sets. Ben is going to get rebounds and be looking for the first guy down the court. You know what I mean? I think that he's going to end up in – and then that's getting five or six easier baskets every single game. I think he's going to speed things up for Kyrie, who in particular will benefit from that. And, and all things considered, with Andre Drummond and Seth Curry being a part of the equation there in Brooklyn, um, they, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. Like, like I said, five teams have a shot at winning the conference. Brooklyn is definitely in that mix, and I wouldn't be surprised if they end up representing Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals this year. Wow. Great stuff as always, Moke. Uh, so good to hear your voice. Glad that you and your wonderful family are doing well and just know how much we appreciate your time on this Sunday morning. Thank you, my friend. It's truly my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You got it. Moke Hamilton, Anita Marks, uh, 800-919-3776. Uh, get your calls in now. Uh, we're going to switch to some NFL talk uh, coming your way in about 10 minutes. Uh, Cynthia Freeland will join us, and I, wa- I want to do a deep dive into the quarterback carousel uh, that uh, never more – uh, wild heading into this offseason. That's for sure. So still a lot more coming your way. Nita Marks with you, 98.7 ESPN.